welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Uh, again, I'll make an apology for one, being so late on getting this out. We've had some stuff going on. I'm up in Colorado right now doing some, some courses and competitions and my view outside. I'm sitting in my truck. Uh, I'm on with, with Dave Thomas, as always. How are you doing, Dave? Hi, doing pretty good. Yeah, I think it's been a couple weeks, but uh, you've got a lot going on. We've, we've all got a lot going on. I think everybody's got something going on right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying I, I wanted to kind of describe what I'm looking at right now. I'm sitting in my truck because my truck's got a little cell booster in it, and the cell service is not – it's less than optimal on where I am. So I'm looking across mountains, rocks, trees. Right now I see three mule deer out in front of me. Um, we've also – my wife went for a walk the other morning. She had to cut it short because she ran into a bear cub. So uh, where there's a bear cub, there's going to be a bear mama. So she said this would be a good time to turn around. But uh, we've been seeing all sorts of wildlife up here, doing a lot of training and everything else, and uh, just having a great time, which we'll get into that, Dave. But how you doing, man? What have you been up to? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm uh, like everything, I'm working nights still. I just got the – like yesterday I just got the, uh, the message that they're going to mess with the schedule again. So – who knows? Oh, wow. what's, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's how it's going to go now, I guess, for at least the next uh, three to four years. I did get out. Yeah, you can't uh, explain anything. No, no, it's hard. I'm actually getting ready to, uh, unfortunately, I had some things in the works, some larger matches that I'm going to have to send some emails out and uh, probably not do or put off till next year on the Rimfire yeah. side. It's just the way I can't, uh, I, I don't want to tell people I can do something and then not know if I'm going to be able to do it. So yeah, uh, I did get out and shoot one match. Finally, a couple weeks ago, it was uh, up there at Texas Precision Matches in Navasota. It was a uh, it, it was a single day, not a two day, but it was a single day trophy match, whatever you want to call it. I had 104 shooters. Uh, we can talk about that later um, uh, once we get into some other stuff. But uh, did okay. Uh, ended up third. Um, so not awful. No, not bad at all. Not bad. What what equipment were you using? I was at the time I was running. Let's see. I'm running a Lone Peak Fusion Action. Uh, uh-huh. with a right now i have a proof uh pretty much use whatever barrel you can find whatever blanks you can get but i'm using a proof uh steel barrel chambered by uh, enrique down at massey's gun shop i'm using yep. one of the new impact or i think they call it an ace break it's a new break the guys over at jtac and impact came out with that's working out pretty well running uh, a Z- zero compromise optic with an impact three uh, reticle arc rings and it's in a xlr uh, NV Pro uh, chassis, you know, it was, it's all weighted out. It's, it's pretty heavy. And I'm running the you know, George's 6GT. Okay, cool. Cool. 6GT. That's a nice caliber. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking a lot. Classes we were up here. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I had, I had a student who had one uh, in one of the courses that I've done up here in Colorado and got a chance to, to stretch its legs a little bit, and I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm running it pretty slow, actually. Well, I slowish, not as slow as some. I'm running like 2850 because I'm, I'm fine. It just, for me anyway, it's just easier to, obviously this game, if you're, if you're shooting on the, the PRS type stuff or the barricade stuff, it's all about, you know, recoil mitigation now. Everybody's gone so heavy and light so i'm running about 2850 and i'm i see a lot more uh i'm watching trace more and stuff like that oh cool cool awesome awesome well that kind of is going to come into one of the things that i wanted to talk about for our our training topic today and it has to do with follow-through are you ready for me to get into that uh yeah go for it all right well you know we've covered you know all the fundamentals of marksmanship natural point of aim sight picture breathing trigger control and follow-through and of course trigger control is so intertwined with follow-through and um you know, you see a lot of the, well, there's even jokes now, you know, I'm a, I'm a trigger slapper. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Oh yeah. Everybody's <laughs> on it now. Yeah. Everybody's on it now. And that's, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of good fun and everything else. But, uh, you know, the, 
the follow through and, and, you know, that trigger control, you know, there's a moment in there. And I had a, I had a client in a class up here. He was coming up here to do the field craft and he had said, can we spend a little bit of time on, you know, some of the accuracy of fundamentals because, you know, he was getting ready to head off. Um, you know, he's, he's in and he's getting ready to have a, a, a date to go to sniper school. And so I said, yeah, for sure. And he really wanted some time on movers and everything else. But we identified one of the issues that was, you know, related strictly to follow through, trigger control and follow through. And so we got him down and, and um, you know, mechanically, he was doing everything right. I mean, absolutely everything perfect. He had 90 degrees on the trigger finger. Uh, he was coming back. He was holding it to the rear. And, you know, the gun that he was shooting is, I mean, he was getting about, you know, two and a half inches on it. And the gun that he was shooting, I knew that under these conditions, definitely capable of three quarters to an inch, you mm -hmm. know, on this range. And again, the range up here is very different than, you know, a lot of, well, very different than rifles only. There's no, there's nothing flat up here. You know what I mean? It's just, there's no, there, shots either up or down and you're always going to have a rock sticking you in the belly. I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, most of the stuff that we do up here is positional, but we did find a place where we could go over here and we use it pretty often whenever we need to work on fundamentals. But, um, I'm sitting there and I'm asking, I asked him, I said, Hey, what is going on whenever you come back on that trigger? And he goes, well, he says, I'm seeing my reticle. I'm putting the reticle where I want it. And he says, for whatever reason, he says, whenever I pull the trigger and I try not to do this, he says, I just get, it seems like I see a black screen during recoil. And this, like, it, it told me immediately what was going on. And this is something that we identified with shooters, I mean, ages and ages ago. You know, there's that, there's that bit of a protective instinct that people have. And for whatever reason, it's not closing your eyes. It's not anything. It's just like that the brain shuts down a little bit just for that microsecond, especially when, and we identified this when everybody was shooting 308s. There were no, there were no zippy calibers, right. or light, you know, light recoil or anything else. And no one was really, you know, shooting 22s on the competitive side, you know, at that point either, whenever we identified this problem years ago. Anyway, so this is what's going on with the kid. There's really nothing wrong with it. Didn't say anything about his shooting. It's just something that he needed to get over. I know that, uh, you know, Frank and I worked with a lot of students back in the day, you know, who had that same problem. It's just like when, as soon as that trigger is going to go, like a thousand percent of your intention, of your attention needs to go to that reticle. But at any rate, that's beside the point. Um, so I said, okay, I said, here's what we're going to do. Um, you're obviously running the fundamentals, right? You're at the bottom of your breathing cycle. You're 90 degrees on the trigger finger. You're following through. So what we have is we got a mental problem here. So what I did was I went out to our 22 deck that we're using up here in, in Colorado and, uh, 50 yard target. I said, okay, get set up on this. And again, it was a, uh, you know, voodoo 22 Leopold, you know, Mark mm -hmm. five on it. Uh, thank you, Leopold. Um, at any rate, um, I said, okay, get set up on that target, everything else and blink a lot right now. And then I told him stop blinking. And while he was on it, I was on the left side of the rifle. He had his finger straightened off the trigger. Anyway, I pulled the trigger for him. And I said, did you see the bullet hole appear in the paper? He goes, yes. So I said, run the bolt. So I did it again run the bolt, did it again. And I said, now you do it. And I said, is the black still there? He goes, no, it's not. It's not. And so it was a really nice, tight little group, you know, voodoo mm -hmm. style, SKMO, you know what they can do. Oh, yeah. And so he, you know, he just pulled it off and I said, okay, that is the way you're going to have to drive your 308. I said, you're going to have to drive it exactly the same way. Fine. Went back. So long story to get it, you know, extremely short, um, freaking guy, man, went up found him a target. That was about 11 degree uphill, four inches, right at 800 yards. He fired it at three times. He hit it all three times with inches to spare around the edges. Awesome. So it was just that one little mental exercise we were able to do with this kid. And he was able to really, 
really improved dramatically his accuracy. And you could tell you could tell his confidence level just went through the roof, which is what it's all about anyway. You know what I mean? No, that's awesome. It, it kind of ties in the same thing. I've uh, We've talked about it before. Uh, dry fire is awesome. Uh, but at the, at some point you do, your brain needs that, uh, the chance that there's going to be recoil. Cause we start doing some yep. weird stuff. You can sit at home all day and, and nothing happens whether you're, cause I guess that really what you're describing is, is kind of a form of anticipation, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's part of flinching. You know, I've always said in all my classes, I'm, all my classes, even on my video, I said, everybody flinches, you know, that's, that's just part of it. You know what I don't have, Dave? I don't have a pin. Oh, you can't click it. I don't know if I, I don't have no, one I here. Can't. No, yeah. Yeah, no, no pin clicking today, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it, it's an anticipation, and I've noted you you almost have to put in that whether it's a ball and dummy or whether it's like you said, it's you, you know somebody else is uh, pulling the trigger for you. Uh, yep. Your brain has to know that there's a possibility of recoil and or or yep. a reaction, I guess, because there's not much recoil, but a twenty two, but but our brain still, I mean, there is, and your brain still recognizes it, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I just think it's a, another example of having that 22 and the ability to train with it and what it can do for you because they're so unforgiving, you know, but the one thing that they do not do is they do not hit you with a big blast and a big recoil. And so that's, that's really, if you can, if you can get those two things to transfer in your mind, I mean, the value of the 22 is just, it can't be understated. No, I wish I had done that. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, 22s were for plinking, you know, you shoot squirrels with them or something like that, but everybody was shooting. And I mean, of course, uh, I was a kid, so I wanted to go bigger and better. Right. And always running like a 300 Winchester Magnum or anything. And that's just, that's not what you want to learn on. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ask me how I know that was my first gun, 300 win. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I had to really work after that when I went, you know, when I really figured out, I didn't know how to shoot and had to learn how to shoot. It was a lot of work to, to, to undo that, that flinch or that anticipation of that 300 Winchester. Plus we were all shooting feather light rifles too, hunting and whatnot. Oh yeah. Yeah. A little pencil thin wooden mm-hmm. stock top loading. Yeah. Oh, I've got a few, scar, a few scars in between my eyes from those. Oh yeah. And I always say that if I don't get scope bit by a 300 win once every three years or so, I'm really not doing my job. <laughs> right. No, I've got a 300 normal right now. And I, I think it, it's, it's easier shooting than the, the Winchester Magnum in my opinion. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a lot of weight on that gun and probably got a monster muzzle break too. Yeah. It makes a yeah. difference. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Well, that's what I kind of want to put out there. I just wanted to say, Hey, you know, the, the, the utility of the 22 as a trainer, you know, is, is really, really good. And we were able to, we were able to solve a very complex problem in a relatively short period of time, you know, by being up here and having that, you know, having that Buddha available. And, uh, and so, you know, which is real pretty important for this guy, you know, I mean, he's, this is his job. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in sniper school and how he does in the rest of his career in the army. Yeah, that's awesome. He should, uh, that's good. That he's going to go in with a, you know, pretty solid fundamental base. Obviously there's much more to that school than fundamentals and shooting, but at least he'll oh, have for that. Sure. For sure. Yeah, there is. And, and, uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking everything's going to work out really well for him. He was a really good guy too, you know, super, super nice. You know, he had his head on straight, uh, his, his land nav, he was already up on that whenever we were doing that during the field craft course. And, uh, uh, did the, you know, concealment exercises. He did really good on that. Um, it was, it was nice. It was, it was really nice to meet that guy and I hope he does well. Awesome. Uh, go on uh, a little bit more with follow through since, uh, since I brought it up. So the, the match I shot the other day and, and I would imagine follow through in my opinion, at least, uh, 
you know, talking about keeping your focus and all that is, uh, for me anyway, usually when I'm not doing it wrong, uh, just focusing on the fundamentals and focusing on follow through is a very good way to keep your head in every shot. Uh, would you agree? Oh, I would. I would. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy to get distracted by the noise and it's like, um, fall back on those fundamentals because that's a big enough job for you. You know, you can, you can kind of lose all the other noise that's out there, like how other people are doing or, you know, the clock or whatever, you know, you, you have a job to do and that's to, that's to apply those fundamentals correctly and everything else is secondary. Yeah, and, and normally when I'm have our, say this match had just went by, it was a, it was a good day for me, but uh, normally when I'm shooting well, that's all I'm focused on. I'm, I'm laser focused on fundamentals. I don't really care about anything else. And when I'm not doing so well, it's you're talking to your friends, you're worried about what everybody's shooting or you're mad because the wind, you know, picked up on you on a shot or anything. But anyway, so I that that match I had, uh, it was a good day. The wind was low, so let's let's say that. So that helps a lot when there's not a lot of wind. And we had I think about 93 shots, and I was on the last stage. I had dropped three shots for the day, so it's it's going pretty well. And yep. the target was big. I mean, it, it almost embarrassing big. It's probably like it was like a unicorn, but it was it was very square shaped. I mean, it wasn't like an odd shaped unicorn they put out there or a. Right. Or whatever it was, I think it was a unicorn. So it's probably about point eight, probably about point eight mils wide, almost a mil wide. It's pretty big, and uh, at least what was the distance on it uh, six hundred and ten yards. Uh, so not right. awful. Uh, no, but, not awful, not bad at all. No, not with a with not a lot of wind, not far, and it was oh, what was it? it was uh, they had I think they had like railroad ties that had made into a barricade, and on each side there was a, a railroad tie at I don't know something like a twenty or thirty degree angle, some angled piece, but. That's not really a big deal with these uh, when you're using these eight pound bags, especially like a wee bag that's got that rubber on the bottom and the bag doesn't move. Right. So you throw your bag yeah. on there. I get through the first. It's it's three shots from each position, three from a left angle, three from a right angle, and then three from the middle, which is just flat like a barricade. And it's right. a railroad tie. So a lot of surface. So I get through the first six shots. No problem. And I get on what should have been the most stable part. And I looking back on it, if I'm trying to think of what went wrong, but. The best I can tell is I had a I had plenty of time, so there's no excuse for time. I had a, a acceptable wobble, or or maybe my I think my natural point of aim was a little bit off to the left of center, and I believe in my mind I said that's fine, it's a big target, right? Yeah. And either maybe I broke a bad shot, maybe my natural point of aim was off. I'm not sure, but anyway, I missed this target from the most stable position. And then I, you know, of course that snapped me out of it. The next two shots were laser focused impact, impact. Normally you think four shots down for the day out of 93. I think it's like a 96%. You're, you're probably going to win most every match you do that. Well, not this day. There was four of us that had dropped four shots now and we had to go to the same boat. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. And now we had done a, a tiebreaker stage earlier in the day and I never, just as a rule for me, I don't try to get through really fast on a tiebreaker because I want to get my shots and I'm not trying to speed through it and get that tiebreaker time. So I ended up third. Uh, But that just goes to show, just talking about like, if you lose focus for one man, I mean, I have 96%, everybody would love to shoot that. But that day, it needed to be 97%. Right, right. And that's the way it is, man. That's the way those those things turn out. You got to pay attention. It's and then, you know, you, you recognized it right away. You know, you, you had time. You said you had time. Mm-hmm. You should have freaking got that, that natural point of aim sorted for that first shot, and you would have hit it. Oh, yeah, it would have been no problem. But, you know, it, again, I got distracted. I'm, I'm sure there was a bunch of stuff going through my mind. I got three shots left in the entire match. You're pretty much in your in the back of your head. You shouldn't be, but we're, we're human. 
back of your head, yeah. you're like, oh, I got this wrapped up and this is a big target. And you're thinking about all those other things. And then that one shot gets sent off the side and that's it. Yep. That's it. That's so, it. Uh, stay focused. Well, that's- all's well that ends well. Who won? Uh, Matt Caruso, he shoots up there. He's a, uh, that's his home range, but I think he's on team MPA. There were some good shooters out there. There was some guys that had a couple two day match wins. There was three or four or two or three M- team MPA shooters. You know, they, they get a lot of people up there in that, uh, that Houston area. Uh, but yeah, he won. Yeah, he's they, won a they few do a good job. Yeah. I think we're going to try to get Prentice on here one day and just talk about, uh, you know, the differences in match director styles. Cause you guys are on pretty much as far as the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You guys just have to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I think we're going to try to get him on and talk about that. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. We need to make that happen sooner rather than later. Cause I know they're doing really good work up there. Yeah. Uh, I think, do we got anything else on the follow through stuff? No, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that out. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a real, you know, shining example of, you know, trigger control and follow through and how that fits into your brain, you know, um, you know, it, of course, it does have to do with anticipation and flinch. And like I say, you know, everybody flinches and you can work through that. But there's, you know, there's ways that you can, you know, work around it. And sometimes it's just that sometimes it's just that little mental image that you have to build in your head. You know, hey, I'm going I am I, I'm not going to see if I see Trace. I'm going to see Trace. Right. You know what I mean? And then at what's really good with the, with the 22 is, you know, you can take that out and set your target out at, a, at you know, 120 yards. And you can actually see the bullet. Oh, yeah, you're watching. That's what makes it really interesting. And that kind of keeps you in that scope. You know, I always say, you know, treat your rifle like a tow missile, like a wire-guided missile. And it's up to you to keep that reticle right right where you want that bullet to go before, during, and after the shot. You know, treat it like it's a wire-guided. And so I think those, you know, other little trips and tricks that you can do to yourself, you know, that can can get you, you know, over that speed bump and, uh, and maintaining focus man, your accuracy just goes through the roof. I mean, it's awesome. You know, because I, I, we got some other stuff to get into, but I think I'm going to make a note. I think the next, whenever we do another one of these in a week or so or less, uh, or whenever we get to it, I think maybe we should do one on uh, just tips and and how to how to spot your shots more effectively and what to be looking for. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Because we can talk Absolutely. on that for a while, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also, let's make a note to, to contact Prentice so we can get him on. Yeah, I've, I've talked to him. He says he's uh, good. He actually just, they just had a baby. Uh, yeah. Two, three weeks ago. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations the to them. But uh, it's like he yeah. told me he, he, he wants to come on the podcast, but he wanted a couple more weeks just to get used to uh, not sleeping. So. <laughs> just get used to that, that infant fatherhood, which, you know, he's a young guy. He can handle it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he'll be all right. But yeah, he's he's uh, he definitely wants to uh, come on. I'll touch base with him this week and uh, see when he's ready. But yeah, we, he's already lined up. We just got to, you know, once he's uh, not a zombie, we'll get him on here. Yep. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds really good. All right. Well, I think we had some stuff that came in from the uh, Rifles Only Accuracy podcast email that we needed to discuss. And what was one of those topics? All right. We had a couple topics. Uh, the first one I got on my list is, I think it was a couple people. One was Russell Dorr. Uh, I don't know if I was supposed to say something. Either way, uh, it, it's a segue into it. Uh, Russell Dorr, he's a, he's a gunsmith down here. Uh, Crossroads Precision. Uh, if you guys have ever seen those, uh, what do you call that? Snake Charmer, that floating target that that's on a thing. Yeah. Uh, I know he, he's had pretty good luck. A lot of people are ordering those around the country. So it's crossroads precision. He should be on Facebook. Uh, check his targets out. He's also, I believe we were talking about Bagara a couple weeks ago with Molly and he, mm-hmm. yep. and I think he's got it down. I know he was telling me that he's, 
he had uh, almost not really truing it up, but he had this little package that he does to the Begara and really, you know, uh, really tweaks it and really uh, um, gets it hammering. So if you guys have a Begara, yeah. I think he might be one of the Begara guys to look at. Okay. Cool. So anyway, he had asked in another, uh, I think we had a couple emails about it. They were asking about EarPro. Uh, I think one was just a general question of EarPro, and then another one was asking about the custom enters and stuff like that. So EarPro, go. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, the the one that I use, it's a Peltor, and I, I actually get it off Amazon. And it's um, it it's a, a Bluetooth. Of course, it's noise attenuating. You know, it, it really does, you know, knock down the knock down the recoil blast. But it also hooks up to the Bluetooth uh, on your phone. Mm-hmm. And it uh, you can actually talk on your phone. You can listen to music through them. I use them whenever I'm in the tractor, you know, uh, mowing the grass. I'll put those on and, you know, hit Pandora or whatever. But what I like about it is you can talk on the phone, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have a mic. It uses bone induction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's just, there's, there's no mic that gets in your way or anything else. They, they slip on, they're real, real comfortable. And the reason I like them is because, you know, I'm, I have a bad habit of, you know, I finish on the range. And so, you know, I'll pull off my air pro and I'll leave it on the, I'll leave it on the UTV or something. And sometimes the UTV's out overnight and they're supposed to be waterproof. And that really works right up until that point that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But what I like about them is the price. There's about 120 bucks. That's not bad. And I just get, I get a new set every year and uh, I haven't really had any of them fail, but I don't want them to fail in the middle of a class. Normally every year I'll just get a new set of them. And, uh, you know, pass my old ones off to somebody else if they want them or throw them away or whatever. But they're really, really good ear pro that the, um, the noise, the noise reduction is beyond acceptable. I know there's things out there that, that will do a better job, but for what I'm doing, it, it works perfectly. Uh, and I know some of the inner ear stuff, I'm going to let you talk about that because you're, you're more into that, but that, that's the one that I like. And, and again, I'm not saying that that's like the, the be all end all out there. I'm just knowing that it works for me and the price point is right. And the sound quality, you know, whether I'm listening to music or talking on the phone with that hearing protection on is, you know, beyond acceptable, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, no, I use uh, some, uh, I can't think of the ones I use. I have some outers that are I don't know. I, I'd have to look it up. I can't remember the name. It's pretty popular. Everybody uses them. They're about two hundred dollars. But uh, but I've recently well, as of what last shot show uh, I, I, I'm using, I believe it's Axel. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of them that do it. The tactical hearing protection, Axel, bunch of them. Uh, but basically what they've done is they're, they're, they're basically taking most of them are people that uh, came out of the hearing aid business and they're basically using a hearing aid idea, but also putting in noise reduction. Uh, now don't get me wrong. These are going to be, uh, drastically more expensive than, you know, your hundred, $200 outer ears. So if price is a, there, if price is a, a factor for you and you want inner ears, uh, like that, then you're going to want to look at the one. They will make them. You go to any, almost any ear doctor or in your area, they will make custom molds and they'll just be, basically they'll just plug your ear so they won't be electronic. Right. And that helps a lot. I've noticed, depending on the position, some of the positions we have to get in is shooting uh, in matches, possibly even hunting or, you know, uh, whatnot. Uh, you may have your, your cheek weld or something may be compromised. I've caught myself with the outers on certain things, having the, the, the muff pushed to the side a little bit by the cheek piece or whatnot, or just might. Yep. And so inners kind of alleviate that. Um, but they're, if you want electronic, they will do everything you were just talking about. They'll hook up to your Bluetooth. They'll enhance your hearing, uh, cause they are hearing aids in that aspect, right. but they're, I mean, they're going to be. I would say on the cheap end, you're at the six to $800 mark. So yep. they're, you know, uh, so if, if you're having trouble with the outer ears moving off of your ear or whatnot, I would look into getting custom 
uh, inner ears made, but just they're just blanks. They're not electronic, and I think those are they're usually well under two hundred dollars, somewhere around the hundred dollar mark. And I find them extremely comfortable because obviously they're uh, molded to your ear. You can get into that area of the ones that come that are generic, and then I think you put them in water or something like that, and they conform to your ear. Those. Uh, from what I understand, a lot of times they don't come out perfect or you have to do it several times and they're, you know, it's just not going to be as good as obviously a, someone at a uh, ear doctor making custom molds for right. you. Right, right. Hey, and those that you have in your inner ear ones, what kind of batteries do they use? They use uh, the, I guess there's a couple different types, but they use the hearing aid batteries and you can buy these things by the, you know, the bucket full for not a lot of money. Um, so yeah. they're really, now... There's another thing. Small stuff is easy to damage. I've damaged mine before, so it, yep. it's a it's a give and take. It's it's going to be more comfortable for a lot of people, though it might not be inside your price range if you want to uh, go Bluetooth. Yeah. But if you get Bluetooth, then you can listen to our podcast while you're shooting. So exactly, win win. Exactly, which is always a good idea. Uh, yeah, well, that's cool, man. Well, I, I don't know. I know that I've seen some advertisements on TV on hearing aids, you know, and they're, um, you know, the ones you get here and there, they like, they're rechargeable, you know, you have, you know, put them on there. I don't know if we've done any hearing inside the ear hearing protection that has a rechargeable set yet. I haven't seen it, but I, again, I, I live under a rock. Uh, so actually, there are, they're not going to be like the customizable ones per se, such uh-huh. as like we're getting what they do. I think Axel also does it. They're, they're, they're more like earbuds that have a, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the ones that kind of wrap around the back of your neck and have a wire. So there are rechargeable ones, but they're going to be more like uh, generic style. You're just going to push into your ear and then fill it up. So they may or may not. I, I find a lot of stuff like that is uncomfortable after about two or three hours. It, my ear starts yeah. hurting from those. Yeah. So they're out there, but they're, I, I have not heard of a, you know, a custom one that, that has a rechargeable battery, at least not yet. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Get, get Lindy on that one. He'll find it if it exists. Oh, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure somebody's doing it. The other thing, before I forget, uh, if you do look at these um, custom electronic ones, uh, especially any of them that do that are considered hearing aids, you can, at uh, sometimes, depending on your insurance, you actually can get your insurance to help take care of those. So look into oh, wow. that. Yeah, because they are hearing aids. Wow. So we are we are getting our health insurance to actually pay for our shooting accessories. Thank yeah. God. I mean, for now, yeah. So yeah, look into <laughs> it. If if they are hearing aids and they double, and you can get the prescription and whatnot, then uh, more than likely you'll at least get uh, reimbursed for whatever your uh, your insurance covers for for hearing aids. I've had pretty good luck with that. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. What was the other barrel length, right? Yeah. So. Somebody, I think we had a couple questions. It was more like uh, one was just talking about a long barrel 308, and another I think was asking about. Uh, I think you did a a lot of people have, but I think you did it a, a while back. You chopped off an inch at a time and uh, looking at yeah. different. Uh, basically, let's just go into barrel lengths and see what happens. Yeah, very good. Well, I, yeah, he was talking about it that his his system that he's running right now is you know he's he's asking about optimal barrel length but the system that he has now is 32 inches uh he's shooting 155 grain sierra so automatically that tells me he's playing a different game than yeah we play. it's a different game um yeah it's a different game and he was pushing them you know up in that 2977 range or 2970 range which which really you know makes a lot of sense you know because you're being able to utilize all that now the the barrel that we had a long time ago was 38 i believe and it started to drag at the end um and so it, the velocities are really low. 
But when we got into that 33 to 29 inch range, that's when we were enjoying those super, super high velocities just with, with uh, three different types of ammo. And then as we started cutting it back, you know, for a while it was 20 feet per second per inch. And then it got to where it was 15 feet per second per inch. And so, you know, ended up with, you know, just what you had to play with. And what we kind of figured out is that, you know, for optimum for 308, you know, for utility for the game that we play, whether we're, you know, using this 308 to hunt or to go out and do, a, you know, a match or two here and there, you know, if we're, if we're still shooting 308, but it's going to be true for any of the calibers. Um, you know, that that best barrel length was like 22 rifled inches, which comes out to like 24 inches for a 308. Mm-hmm. Now, again, whenever you start to get into the sixes and the six fives, you know, you're going to enjoy it a little bit better, you know, because you're shooting a muzzle break. So you might have a 25 or a 25 and a half or a 26 inch barrel, you know, so you can get your velocities up there. But you know, as we're seeing, you know, across the board, even even from you, you know, that having that hyper velocity it may not necessarily be where you want to go. You know what I mean? Maybe you're not looking to, you know, to push that, you know, those high velocities, that 2900 range, maybe that 2850 is working just fine. And, you know, if it is, you know, it is, you know, it's just uh, but that that game that he was playing, you know, saying that the system that he had shooting the 155s, that's not our game, but it is a game. And I think he's got a pretty good system set up for that, for the barreling for that game. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty much. I think you already hit on it. It just depends on what you're what you're trying to do. And just to give some guys out there, if you haven't, uh, and you're looking at because a lot of it, it's our natural instinct. At least it was. You know, we want to go. You know, faster is better, right? It's got to be better. Right. Like BC and speed yep. or, or, or velocity are intertwined, which is true. However, right. yep. uh, you if you go into your calculators, whatever, whether you use Kestrel, Straylock, uh, ballistic arc, any of that. You can play around with your velocity and start seeing there. You'll see there's little windows where, yeah, sure, going from, you know, in somewhere in the 27, 29, 50, depending on what it is, it's really good. But then you'll notice diminishing yep. returns up until you get to another spot. Like, so you have to push it, you know, much faster to see a bigger difference. Uh, and most of the time I'm talking wind because elevation kind of is what it is. If you get your rifle doped out, you, you, you turn the knob and it goes where you tell it to for the most yep. part. But uh, so uh, a lot of guys, everybody uh, at the guys at the top, you know, your Jake Vibbertson, they're they're slowing down. They're running their six millimeter stuff at 27, 75, 2800, because th- this game is about recoil and consistency and seeing what you're doing. And right. so that's yeah. what they're really looking for. If you're starting to shoot your, you know, I'm assuming if that guy's running 155s, I don't it's some sort of Palmer or maybe he's trying to really reach out there. I, I'm not sure what game that is, but. Yeah. Well, no, that's, it's, um, you know, it's, the game that he's playing, that 155 was made for that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was made for that game. And he was talking about, you know, shooting the 155s, you know, with the longer barrels that it will give him, you know, more stability at the longer ranges. And, yeah, that's true because you're able to maintain, you're able to stay away from that 1,120 feet per second for a longer period of time. And yeah. so, um, you know, that's, that's it, 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 it does help, you know, those those higher velocities. But like you say, sometimes you're just going to meet, meet a point of diminishing returns and, you know, it's it's just not worth it. No, I think, uh, I mean, I've done it uh, going from like the 28s to 2950. Uh, I think I see, at a, you know, a thousand yards, a 10 mile an hour crosswind. You're only looking at a tenth or two. Now, that said, if right. you're if you're if you're shooting a lot and you're pretty well in tune with your rifle and or your skill levels, whatever it may be, you're 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 you either shoot a lot or you have a higher skill level or both. Uh, you can go with those slower stuff. Now, if it's a guy that shoots, you know, he goes to a match once or twice a year, I might tell him, hey, go with that six Creed more uh, and run at 3,100 because now, yep. uh, you know, at, at maybe it's only a tenth of difference, tenth or two, but now you you burn a couple of edges on targets and you get a few more points. Maybe it, maybe it helps them. 
a little bit more. So yeah. you have to look at your your situation in general. Plus, if you're going to run a can or anything like that, I mean, you're going to stick a you know a seven eight inch can on the end of your rifle. You may not want a a twenty eight uh, twenty eight inch barrel. Um, yeah. Same thing with those six BRs. Some guys are just using a regular straight six BR. So instead of fire forming a dasher, and they'll run a twenty eight inch barrel instead of a twenty five or a twenty six, just so they can bump it up that little get to twenty eight fifty without having to to really you know hot rod that cartridge. So. Um, and then if you're going to run a truck gun, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a truck gun. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to run a truck gun, you're going to want a little, you know, 16 inch barrel, but you got to understand when you pull that truck gun 308 out, can it get out to 800, 900? Sure. It can get out there. Are you, is that what, what you want to pick for that every day? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Truck gun to me, Marlin lever action, 4570. Oh, I know a lot of guys that share that opinion. It's, uh. Uh, it, it sounds yeah. like a big gun, but it's surprisingly easy shooting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That one, that's about 1,800 feet per second, but it's 1,800 feet per second all the way through the mountain, so it works good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, that, the other thing that he had on that was uh, talking a little bit about the different extractor systems that are out there. Okay. Um, and this this is one of those that had come up, you know, a while back. This is not really something that we run into these days, but... Uh, the old Remington 700 has that ring extractor on the inside of the bolt face. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there would be some problems with that. So some of the Smiths, you know, a while ago, and I'm, I'm sure they're still doing it too. They would put in, you know, like an M16 extractor or an M4 extractor, basically a claw type extractor as opposed, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like which one was better here and there. Uh, you know, and I know that there's people who can speak to this a hell of a lot better than I can, but I've seen both of them fail and I've seen both of them flawlessly. You know, it's just after seeing, you know, so many different guns come through, you know, pretty much everything that you see is going to fail eventually. Um, I never had a, a real preference on that. I never had one of the one of the claw extractors installed on my gun. But again, you know, the I was, you know, this was years ago. I was talking to George about building me a gun. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna put a claw extractor." I said, "Okay, knock yourself out. You're the damn gunsmith. You know what you're doing. Uh, I'm just going to leave that up to you." And uh, of course, I never had any problems with with any of his guns or or moons or any of those that were you know doing those things with the extractors. So. I, I can't really speak to say which one is better or worse other than to say I've seen both of them work flawlessly and I've seen both of them fail on occasion. And the reason they would fail typically is because, you know, you get there in the chamber, you turn it on, and then you're, you're shaving off a little bit of brass, you know, off the, off the edge of the cartridge case every time. And it would get in there and it would foul those, those claw extractors. And sometimes it would, you know, get behind your ring and, uh, you know, not really get, you know, a full extraction on that either. But there we're talking about problems that are rare and, you know, just a little bit of basic rifle maintenance, you know, keeps that from happening at all. Yeah. I I'm of the same opinion. I'm there. There's plenty of people that obviously know way more about it than me. I, I just look at it, the way I look at it is anybody that makes a quality action, whether it's a, a impact, a lone peak a defiance makes a lot for a lot of guys, any of those, I, if they use it, I trust it. You know, they, they've, yep. you know, it's, it's works reliably. Of course it's always going to fail. I mean, I had a, uh, I, I've, I've had everything break. I mean, you name it, it's broke. I've, I've some, I've, I've broken a pen that I didn't even know was there on an AI. So if you, if yep. you can break it, it's going to break. Yep. Yep. Eventually. Yeah. That's the only thing I ever had go wrong with, with my AI was the, the pin that was holding in the, the bolt release, uh, the little roll pin in there. I, um, you know, and after, after as many rounds as that had been through and many times a bolt had been ran, I said, that little roll pin, it was time for him to give up anyway. And I just replace a roll pin and move on down the road. You know, that that's not even a gun failure. You know, that's just a, that's just a, you know, a serviceable part that wore out. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm looking at them now. I think most everything I run, 
Yeah, I, I think almost everything I use is uh, is the claw extractor now. I think a lot of people have almost universally switched to them. So, but like I said, I trust yeah. it. If whatever they've been using now, um, I would always suggest if, especially if you're going to be hunting anything anywhere, really, you know, get a couple extra parts, couple extra extractors, couple extra punches, and and keep with you because you just never you never know. Right. Oh, that's true. That's absolutely, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, anything else? Well, what else did we have going? I mean, I'm pulling up my notes here. Um, we talked about ear pro. We talked about barrel length. Um, tell us more about what you've been doing up there. You guys got some training, the uh, battle of the coyote. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We've had a, we've had a really good time up here. Um, the, uh, getting out of, of Texas, that was when we had all those, those thunderstorms there that, you know, really kicked off y'all's rainy season down there. And, uh, Man, we just had terrible rain all the way, you know, to north of San Antonio. So uh, it kind of threw our trip off a little bit. But we we got in here, and um, the the first thing we did is we you know started out with a, a 22 class. I think we had uh, 10 in the first one. Uh, the wow. big crew, Jessica Mangus, came to it, and she had a bunch of her friends and family in the class, and you know from over in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and um, you know that there were some other people too that weren't with that crew, but. Uh, we, we went out, we, um, we did the fundamentals eval with that, went over, uh, you know, got everybody's guns, you know, very zeroed on a, on a 50 yard deck that we have here, uh, started hitting steel and, and getting out to the further ranges, um, using the, the new 22 mover DM targets, um, have that thing set up out here, did that, went out to one of our, our rocks that we use for our center fire. And from there, the targets are like 418 yards to like 900 yards mm-hmm. on this particular you know set of rocks we shoot off of. And so we had a few of the guys, of course, we set up the, the closer 22 targets, you know, between, you know, 150 and, uh, and 350. And then we had a few of the, few of the guys go out there and, and Jessica as well. She went out and went for that 420 yard target and they were getting hits on that. So, you know, that that's pretty difficult, especially in a, in a Canyon with the wind howling through it. And your shooting position is, you know, half rock and, you know, half bag and, you know, you're not prone and you're definitely not comfortable, but we had some really good shooters in that and it worked off really well, man. We had a great time. Awesome. Yeah. That's uh, a, that's a that, good class we, for 22. Yeah, it is. It is. And then we, uh, we pulled off battle of coyote. So that was good. Land nav all over this mountain and, uh, you know, find range and engage targets with, you know, zero electronics. And so that, that turned off really well. And then from there we rolled right into the field craft course. Um, and again, it's, it's land nav, you know, with this, we get to use GPS cause there's new ones. And so we want to make sure nobody gets lost and that turned out real good. I, we were real fortunate. Frank came down, uh, from sniper side, you know, Frank and I had to go back and, you know, we worked together for a lot of years. He came out for one afternoon and, and talked to us about, talked to the class about concealment, you know, and, and lanes and how to move from one place to another and how to use, you know, the, the masking techniques and, you know, route selection. And it was really good to have him here for a whole afternoon. And, uh, after that, we kind of hung around and we had some hamburgers and stuff like that so it was nice students got to hang out with frank for a little bit and it's always nice to see frank so it was it was really cool to have him come up uh you know he's got that everyday sniper podcast if you don't if you've been living underneath a rock and you don't know about sniper's hide and frank's podcast y'all should probably educate yourself a little bit on it he's uh he's, he's been doing this for a long time well he's got over i wonder how many million downloads he has now he had a million last year didn't he yeah he's got to be pushing about two million he's he's got a pretty good following yeah. there and i mean i yeah. i haven't been keeping track of the hide as as much as i should be but i know he gets he's well into the millions of unique users something like 250 300 registered users it's 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 pretty big makes me makes me cry i remember when he started that website (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's come a long way with it yeah but it it worked out really good 
yeah, we, uh, we finished up that and, um, we kind of had a, a half of a day off today and then we'll, we'll do two more 22 classes and then head back to head back to Texas. But we're fortunate today. I have me and Lisa had a chance to have lunch with Ray from Thunderbeast. Oh, awesome. And, uh, man, so we got a chance to talk, you know, what they were doing, you know, they're, they are a year behind on, on producing suppressors, you know, and, uh, he was telling me about the new techniques that they're, or not really new, but the stuff that they've been doing for a long time and the new new sound uh, technology that they're using, you know, to judge sound and everything else. And, you know, how they build those and how the quality control of every suppressor that leaves Thunder Beast. And, and you know, they're they're a, they're a really good company based out there at, at Cheyenne. Um, I, I, I like them for a lot of reasons. I like the – I shoot their suppressors. I shoot their bipods. And I also like them is because they're so giving to the community. I mean, if you're, if you go to a match that's worth its salt, it, Thunder Beast is probably a sponsor, you know, they'll, and they're, and not a little sponsor either. The last match at Icepocalypse that we had, we had a uh, one certificate for, um, a hundred percent off a suppressor and then, uh, four of them, I believe for 50% off a suppressor. So, you know, those guys are, are really supporting the community and, and they build a good product, really good product. And Ray, man, Ray's just an awesome guy. Yeah, I got to meet his pit bull Molly, so that was kind of cool. But uh, it was it was nice to to go and have lunch with him and just sit down and relax and and be in a you know a restaurant environment, you know, and and be able to talk and catch up and everything else. And you know he's he's lived a very very interesting life. You know he's a, a professional mountain biker, surfer, uh, you, you name it. This guy's done it. I wow. mean he's a, he's a really really cool guy. Very very fun to hang out with. Uh, yeah, I, I love air suppressors. If it's usually the one that I recommend for any type of bolt work, uh, but they are a year out. They're getting. If you want one, you better get your order in. It's getting uh, pretty ridiculous now, just in the entire industry. Uh, you know these guys, and they're pumping out suppressors as fast as they can. It's not their fault. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. He told me he told me their volume capability, and it is pretty high. It was a pretty shocking number. And for them for them to be that far out, being able to produce that kind of volume. I mean, nothing makes me happier than to see a, you know, a American small business that is in the gun industry doing so well. I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah. And I love their, buy. I, I run the, I forgot to mention, I, I run their bipod. Um, if, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the Harris, it's, it's a tried and true. And, and in that price bracket, it's, it's a really good bipod. But if you like the, uh, utility per se of a, of a, of a Harris, but you want maybe, you know, you want a little bit more quality or you want to get more up into the next tier, and uh, you know, also Atlas bipods, obviously nice. But if you're looking for those, the quick movement of the uh, the Harris, but a bit better quality, the the T-back bipods are really nice. Yep, yep. It makes me anxious to see what they're going to come up with next. Oh yeah, and and I don't think I can't think of a, a match I've ever been to that had any prize table that didn't have fifty uh, percent and a lot of times a, a full suppressor, but they, they, I mean, the amount of 50% offs that they send out is, is, is kind of staggering. I mean, there, I mean, if you think about yep. all the matches that are out there that, that have prize table, yep. it's hundreds of matches a year, uh, all yep. over the place. And, and there's always at least a 50% off and that's, that's kind of nuts. Yep. And I don't think they've, I don't think they've like backed off on their sponsorship. If anything, I think they've increased their sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, they, it seems they to me. really do. Yeah, and it, they really do support the community. It's they're just a fantastic company with great people. You know, Zach. You know, Zach's a really smart dude up there. You know, they do the competition dynamic stuff. You know, the you know the twenty four hour challenge and mm -hmm. you know the, the steel safari, and they do all that kind of stuff. We got a chance to talk about that as well. And so, I mean, they they do really good jobs at those competitions. And um, you know, it was funny. Me and me and Ray were able to you know trade war stories about shooting down at steel safari. So that was that was kind of cool too. I mean, it, I've known him for a long time. It was nice to be able to just sit down and relax and and visit and catch up. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. 
Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, what else do we have? Well, uh, somebody asked uh, about UFOs and uh, rifle podcasts, so I think Frank's one of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, come up, someone had been on, on rope says, you know, what's the deal with UFOs on sniper podcasts? And it's kind of like, um, well, it kind of goes back to, you know, Frank being the world's best Bigfoot hunter, you know, yeah. and, uh, he, you know, he, he started that a long time ago and he says, you know, he says all of their successes and none of their failures. So he's never seen one either. <laughs> <laughs> it, it came back from, um, from, uh, uh, Baker over at, at just F and send it podcast. You know, he says, I'll talk about anything. I'll talk about UFOs. I'll talk about politics. And I think I said on the podcast that I'd go on his, I'd go on his podcast and talk about UFOs. And it, it, it's kind of timely as all the, all the UFO disclosures that we're seeing, it's like, you can't even open up the news now. And it's like somebody else is coming out. And then the, the Navy released those tapes on that. And Frank actually said that he saw something pretty strange out at rifles only whenever he was staying out there years ago. So yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's just an interesting, fun topic, Bigfoot and UFOs and shooters. It, it, you know, you get a few of us around together and it's inevitably going to turn to that for at least 10 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, that's all I got written down. We went through the Air Pro, the Barrel Length, Battle of the Coyote. Uh, uh, you talked about the field course a little bit, the Everyday Sniper. Yep. Go listen to those guys. Uh, uh, remember, it's uh, R-O-A-P at RiflesOnly.com. Yep. That's Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast, R-O-A-P at RiflesOnly.com. And that if you have any questions, comments, anything that you want to get up for us to talk about, I'd appreciate it. Uh, there was another one that came in that wanted us to – uh, get some, you know, some more instructors on here mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, some different stuff. So I'm going to reach out to some of those guys that I know and, and we'll get on. Of course, we'll get, we'll get Frank on with us again and, and, uh, Caleb and Phil and all that kind of crap. And we need to get Prentice out for the competition side of the aspect or aspect of that. But yeah, man, it's, uh, send us something in the email, man. We'll get it up here. But, um, I'm, I'm running out of time and, uh, I'm running out of battery on my phone. Like I say, I'm sitting in my truck in a, in a valley up here in, in Northern Colorado. And I, I, just desperately wanted to get another podcast out and Dave, thanks for taking the time. I know that you're working your ass off constantly and I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, to set it all up and, and give me a call so that we could do this. Oh, no problem. No, I love doing these. Um, you know, obviously we'd like to do them a little bit more than we can, but we're, you know, we just gotta, everybody's busy right now. Uh, so just before we go, I got a little list. Uh, we've talked about some of them, but, uh, just for people that help us out or help the community out, we got Thunder Beast, uh, arms, you know, T-back, uh, bipods, T-back, uh, suppressors, support those guys. Voodoo is always, we bad, uh, for your, any type of bag that you want, they probably make it, uh, fix it sticks, uh, rifles only sells them. I'm on their, uh, pro staff. Uh, hopefully got some more news coming out of that here shortly. They've been coming up with some good stuff, but check it out on rifles only. You can get them there. Grind ups coffee. He's actually starting to get pretty big down here. Um, Supposedly that coffee's really well. I haven't tried it yet, but he's he's actually given a lot to the community down here as well. Uh, Magpul, uh, check out them. They sent us some uh, chassis. Uh, if you're looking for a, bu- and I don't want to say it's necessarily budget friendly. It's in the middle ground. Their chassis is really nice. It's really adjustable. Leopold, that new reticle Leopold's has really taken off. A lot of people like it. Uh, Eric Cortina, check him out. He does a little thing on loading, and uh, he sent us some tuners, so check that out. Crossroads Precision, uh, if you're looking for a snake charmer, have your Bagara t- uh, tweaked. Also, uh, it's not inside the firearms industry, but I, I don't know who may be listening. If uh, if you're in the South Texas area or Corpus area, any of that, and you're looking, uh, you need any dirt move to stuff like that, Tahoe Trucking, he actually owns a range 
that we get to shoot at for some of our Sotex matches and I get to use for, for several different things, Diesel Deer, but uh, Tahoe Trucking is the actual company that owns that and they, they do a lot uh, a lot of stuff that you, you would never even think that people don't even realize because you know, having a range just for us to shoot at is a big help. Um, other than that, I think that's about all we got. Yeah, Jutro Massey's gun shop in there. Uh, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah, Massey over there. That Massey's and Enrique, who's doing a really good work out there, and just uh, we we appreciate those guys. You know, they're they're uh, you know uh, Gilbert has done a heck of a lot. You know, for the for the little club that we have down here. You know, and so uh, he's he's working his ass off constantly to make sure we've got good matches and got good attendance and all of that. So I want to thank those guys as well. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention, I think we talked, um, I run almost all my barrels are chambered by Enrique down there. Uh, he does yep. great work and he's one of the few, uh, not that he he's very busy, but the guy works around the clock. Uh, the last I heard he was within two weeks or so. So if you, if you're having trouble getting a ba- barrel chambered or something, or you're looking at six months or wherever you're looking at, uh, give those guys Massey's gun shop or, um, if you need, send us an email on the ROAP or reach out to us on social media. We'll get you in touch and, and get him done. He's very competitive and he does great work. Yep, yep. And Redbeard too. Redbeard's yes. doing really good work out there. So they do got stuff moving through Redbeard as well there in Portland. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are having any issues or any questions about getting uh, you know work done or reputable stuff, feel free to send us an email too. We'll we'll send you into the right direction. We'll get you straight. Yeah, you know, it seems like Texas is really becoming a mecca for shooting, you know, having, having a, you know, a wee bad here and then all the different places that you can shoot, you know, on the weekends and then the, the really cool gun shops that kind of focus on what we do and the cool gunsmiths that are here. I mean, it's, uh, it, what is that song? It's good to be alive right about now. Oh yeah. That's, uh, I may have, uh, looked into transferring a while back, but, uh, down it, this is kind of the place to be if you like uh, being able to shoot every weekend. Yeah, being able to shoot her and then, you know, being able to get your products, you know, done, oh, yeah. put together right here, you know, being able to do it, you know, keeping everything, everything in one state, you know, and, and, uh, and it's really cool. You know, the, the guys that are up there doing matches and there's, there's even a group of guys doing matches out in West Texas that nobody knows about. It's a completely different format. We need to probably talk to them one of these days as well, because they're doing some pretty cool crap with running gun out in, in the middle of BF nowhere and they are packing them in. So we'll, well, let me do a, let me reach out to that guy and see if he wants to come on the podcast one of these days. It's a very, very interesting format that they're doing out there. I would love for everybody to see it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get them on. All right, man. Sounds good. Listen, Dave, I can't thank you enough. Thanks again. I want to thank all the all the people that have come to visit Rifles Only while we've been up here in Colorado and the people who come to Rifles Only and train down in Texas as well as New Hampshire. You can check out our pro shop at RiflesOnly.com. Classes are listed there. We got a lot of stuff going on this fall with uh, 22 Centerfire. Uh, we're getting ready to add a new constitutional carry course since um, you know we that is going to go into effect on September 1st. And it's not just a free for all. And if you need to learn some real basic uh, handgun techniques, you know how to carry, you know clearing malfunctions, moving around doorways, just basic, basic, basic stuff. We're gonna we're gonna pull that out with a two-day course that we're gonna introduce, you know, after September. Um, and again, there's the RF1 classes, you know, rimfire classes, the mover clinics, the barricade you know and alternate positional clinics that we're doing there at rifles only so look at the website and if there's anything that fits your schedule we have a helicopter course coming up um anything that fits into your schedule let us know man we'd love to see you down at rifles only um you know bring your bring your family and let's do it all right that will uh i think that wraps us up and we'll see you next time all right sounds good where's that rock and roll music 